Welcome to uh, another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray, um, in that podcast where we try and roughly follow the Tumbala Me outline provided by the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. Um, as you can probably tell, I am not recording in my normal space, <clears throat> excuse me, so the audio's quality is going to be a little bit different. I'm using different software and everything, so I apologize for that. Hopefully it doesn't detract too much from the spirit. Um, but let's go right on ahead and then let's see how far we can get. I think I can only do about half an hour, so we'll see how much we can get in today. Um, so we'll just start off like normal with the word part. Our dear Father, we are so very grateful for this day. We thank thee for the opportunity we have to come close to thee. We ask thee for forgiveness. Um, I ask for forgiveness. Um, not giving this as much attention as I should. Uh, please bless those that are making the sacrifice to listen, <clears throat> that they will still feel its spirit and not let it detract from the message that I was having them learn. Help us to find the guidance and the strength and wisdom, my Lord. Father, bless us during this time to have thy spirit that we might be able to pass on the Christmas spirit to others around us and that we might come close to thee. And I pray that thee come in your lives of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, <clears throat> yes, so I wasn't exactly planning on putting out an episode today. I woke up late, um, but the Lord made it clear to me that. There are those of you out there who prefer that I did it. So I am repenting and I'm putting on an episode. So um, we're going to kind of jump ahead. I know we last left off in Zechariah chapter 1. We are going to jump ahead to um, Zechariah chapter 7. Just jump straight to over there. Kind of carry on that way. So. Um, <coughs> If we start in uh, seven, so let's let's start right off in um, the Old Testament student manual. Now our talks pretty much the whole chapter has a little thing on. Um, yeah, the, the whole chapter. Uh, Zechariah. So in section 33-25, uh, this chapter contains the explanation of why the Lord refused to hear the prayers of Judah and permitted Nebuchadnezzar to scatter the Jews from their homeland for a time. It begins with the question of whether the Jews who had returned from Babylon should continue to observe their feast and fast that they had observed while in exile as memorials of the burning of Jerusalem and the temple at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. So uh, they had been, <clears throat> the Jews had been keeping uh, a day of fasting and mourning and weeping um, in remembrance of losing the temple. And so that now that they were back and they rebuilt the temple, they were asking the Lord and, and, and Zechariah, you know. Um, do we still need to do this? And Zechariah's answer, which is intended to reach the ears of all people, as in verse 5, um, is of special significance when we remember his profound, profound interest in the temple. It shows that he, like the former, i.e. the, the, like the, the pre-exiles of the prophets, cared infinitely more for righteousness than for ritual. Their fasting, he reminds them, like their eating and drinking, did not in any way affect God only themselves. His demand voiced by those prophets was of something very different. 
for true justice, kindness, and pity in their social relationships, and for the temper which would scorn to exploit the defenseless members of society or to harbor malicious designs against them. This prophetic law, verse 12, um, for example, instructions, though it had been meditated by the Divine Spirit, they had willfully rejected, turning a stubborn shoulder like an animal that refused to bear the yoke, with the, with the result that Jehovah was indignant, scattered, the, scattered them among strange nations, and abandoned their lovely and desolate, and abandoned their lovely land to desolation. So, um, let's kind of break that down a little bit. I think that's, that's very important. It's kind of one thing we've talked about a little bit before in the past about um, <clears throat> how the Lord might look at certain checklist ritual items that we do. It's not necessarily the case that um, he is looking for us to, um, oh, you know, by fasting, by going to the temple, by doing these things, that's blessing him in any way. No, he is asking us to do our fasting and our prayers in order to help us. It's not about we need to check this box. So he's, he's telling the people at this time, look, it's not that I I wanted you to fast because I needed someone to remember um, I needed someone to remember, you know, this terrible day. No, what I wanted you to remember is I wanted you to remember that you had brothers and sisters out there who were suffering who needed your help. That's what I wanted to get across to you. I wanted you to see what, <clears throat> what I would be doing if I was there. I, I wanted to instill empathy into my people. And so I think, you know, that as we fast, that does help us to sanctify our souls. But at the same time, we, we should be remembering the poor and the needy who are out there, who might, who might need our, our aid. And thereby, when we, when we pay that amount, that's supposed to be, you know, all, um, no, this is this is the money that's supposed to replace whatever I'm going to eat. I guess one thing that I could do, I just this just popped into my head. You could think, right? But the moment you're the most hungry, maybe at that moment, go and find whatever meal you and your family would love to go eat. And say you're going to go out to eat somewhere or something like that. Go through, order, you know, go on a DoorDash or whatever it is you're going to use. Get your whole order all lined up. See the total? There you go. That's your fast offering for the month. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that's doctrinal or anything. I just think that might be a good way of, of <clears throat> allowing the fast to change our hearts. Because I know for myself, I can look at the I, I can look at the, you know, the fast offering and see that oh, you know, it's only going to cost mm, to feed my whole family. I could I could get away with feeding them. You know, if we all ate top ramen or, or tuna fish, it could, be, it could be really cheap, and I don't have to worry about paying a, a generous fast offering. But if you're going to have compassion for the poor and the needy and the fatherless, in the way that you would seek compassion for yourself, it might not be a bad, bad benchmark to look at. Maybe you don't pay that much, but maybe you at least look at it and see. Okay, if I wanted to be taken care of the way that I want to be in this moment, why I've only have, I've only gone without food for two days. Not two days, sorry, two meals. Is it reaching the same level that I'm giving? Because the Lord tells us here in Zechariah 7, it's not that 
not that you haven't. It's not about the fasting. It's about is it changing your heart? He says in verse 5, when ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, even though seventy years, did ye at all fast unto me? When ye did eat and when ye did drink, did you not eat and drink for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Thus speaking in verse 9, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassion to every man to his brother, and oppress not the widow nor the fatherless, the stranger or the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. That's what we're about. That's what the Lord wishes us to be about, is to help those around us, to be an aid and a helpmeet to our brethren. And the Lord will allow us to reach a higher level of sanctification if we allow the fasts, the prayers, the worshiping to change us, if we if we go into it thinking, how can I give this to others? So let's move on to chapter eight now. Like I said, we're going to have to try to fly through this. We, I'm I'm not super prepared, and I didn't take as much time as I should. And so I, I really suggest that you <clears throat> that you take the time to um, study this on your own or listen to others that may have taken more time. Um, like I say, there's you know, uh, Mark um, Gospel Doctrine is the name of the podcast. I can't remember the name of the gentleman who the name of the brother who. Um, does it, but he, that's a great one, Gospel Doctrine or Unshaken by Brother Jared Halverson. Both are excellent, excellent uh, additional sources to your own personal study. I would highly recommend them. Um, anyways, let's jump over to chapter 8. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, in, in the Old Testament student manual, in section 33-27, uh, looking at Jerusalem, he saw, uh, Zechariah saw, saw Jerusalem, um, saw it during the period when God's people were scattered on the earth. Zechariah spoke of a broken city, denuded of both, both the very old and very young. The vision given to him by the Lord permitted him to see a future day in which Jerusalem shall be a city of truth and the mountain of the Lord, and shall stand once again. Old men and old women shall dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and the streets of the city shall be, be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Um, so, we see uh, here, in this one, um, like Goliath will continue to read, like Joel and the other prophets, Zechariah vigorously condemned Israel's sins, that he foresaw a restoration of God's favors as a reward for repentance and adherence to his laws. So, throughout this, um, this whole chapter, we hear Zechariah, um, talk about the sins that Judah has committed and the things that they have done and the punishments that they're going to have to face because of this. Um, as we see in verse 2, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion. With great jealousy, I was jealous 
before her with great fury. He talks about how because of the sins, these things have to happen. There has to be a, a, a cleansing. There has to be a sanctification of the people. And while the Lord while the Lord knows that we need to go through this and it's going to be hard for us, he doesn't hold it against us in a way that is detrimental to our eternal progression. If we are willing to come back to him, that is, that is always the promise of the Lord. He promises us that if we are willing to turn back to him, he tells the people of Jerusalem, he tells the, the Jews right here, that if you are willing to return, when you come back, there will be a great, there will be a great um, restoration. Boys and boys and girls will be playing in the street. It'll be safe. It'll be a wonderful place to live. It will be a marvelous place. The Lord will will bless us. And that is always the blessing and the, and the effort that he extends to us. That he's willing to bless us. That he's willing to give us the aid that we need if we're willing to reconcile ourselves to him. If we are willing to return to the Lord. The Lord later lays out, um, he talks, that's the thing, he, he, in these, uh, <sighs> the Lord's trying to get across to the people at this time a very important message. They've just returned. They've just come back. They've gone through this sanctification process, this they they've paid you know they paid for the sins and they've returned home. They're given a chance again. The cycle of pride has reset, and here they are once again. And the Lord is asking them, "What are you going to do? Are you going to be the same people that you were?" That, that your fathers were, that your that your grandfathers were. Are you going to be the same people who, I, when I bless you, are just going to turn away and hide your faces from me and forget what we've done? Or are you going to remember? Are you going to strive to stay there, to stay in the presence of God? That is the question the Lord is asking of all of us. Whether we are reaching a point in the pride cycle where we are getting close to where we need to be reprimanded, or whether we've just been reprimanded and we're in the repentance process. And the Lord is asking us, all right. And we, just like the... the, the the Israelites at this time who were turning to Zechariah and the, the Haggai and the different prophets who were saying, well, what do we need to do? Do we need to continue on with these traditions and these different things that we've set up? 
and the Lord saying, it's not, it's not about the checklist. It's not about, it's not about are you, are you um, attending all of your, your meetings? Are you there five minutes early? Are you, um, have you invited seven people to church? Have you, um, have you said five prayers today? Have you, you know, do, do you shop on Sunday? It's not about that. It's not about the checklist. It's not about the outward appearance. It's about, is the gospel changing your life? When you have the desire to help someone, when you have the desire to share the gospel with someone, generally for me, and I, I would imagine it's probably similar for you as well, generally when I have those feelings, at least two to three different reasons as to why I shouldn't or why it doesn't make sense to do it now pop into my head. Almost every time. And the question is, for each of us, including myself, when those excuses pop up into our minds, do we turn away and give in to the excuses? Or do we turn back and say, this is what the Lord would want me to do. And I love the Lord. Now, there's a tricky in-between on those which which the Jews during the time of Christ soon found out. The in-between is, am I going to turn around and say, well, I'll do it because I want to be able to tell other people, oh, yes, I did this wonderful thing for this person, or, oh, yes, I was able to do this, and to boast of ourselves, and to show off. In that case, it's just as bad as if we've not done it. We might as well have not done it. Because you're not doing it for God. That's not to say that you shouldn't do it unless you're sure it's going to be for God. Go out and do it. Have the courage to do it. Have the courage to step out and do the things the Lord wants us to do. Is it going to be easy? Of course not. Another Holland has said, nothing, nothing ever truly worth anything was ever easy. But it will bring joy. More importantly, it will bring peace. Not world peace like we all love, but peace in our own hearts. It was something someone brought up in Sunday this last two days ago. When we talk about peace in the gospel, it's not about peace out outwardly. It's that we'll have that confidence, as, as DNC says, we'll wax strong in the confidence before God. That we'll be able to know that we are in good standing with the Lord, and that because of that, everything else can melt away. Everything else can melt away. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What else is going on in the world? If we're in good standing with God, then, in the end, all will be right. We'll still have trials, we'll still have tribulations, but we know that we're on the right path. 
We have the blessing of the Lord on the road we're on. And that's what the Lord is trying to convey to the people of Israel through Zechariah. He's saying, look, this is your time to change. This is your time to become a great people. And they do. As is seen in the New Testament, they become a very powerful people. And the Romans come in and take, take over because they start to fall away again. And then the Lord appears to them. And those who are willing to hear and to see experience miracles and marvelous things. Because they were willing. Because they were willing to listen and to be open. Because they knew the truth. And they weren't afraid to ask the Lord for more truth. That's what the Lord is trying to convey to the people here. He's trying to show them that if they will repent, not just of outward sins, but inward sins, not just sins of omission, but sin, not just sins of commission, sorry, but sins of omission. Don't forget to, to live the gospel. Not just do the gospel and, and take, take part in the practices and in the rituals, but live it. Really live it. Bring it into your hearts. This is what you have to look forward to. Here in, in, in chapter 8, in verse 13, Well, let's go back a little further. It says in verse 10, For before these days there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast. Now there was a peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I set all men, every one against his neighbor. So we're back there. There was no work. It was, it was a tumultuous time. There was no, there was no peace to be found. Everyone was upset. Everyone was against everyone. Verse 11, but now I will not be unto the residue of his people, as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts, for the seed shall be prosperous. The vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause the remnant of his people to possess all these things. And it shall come to pass, as you were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and the house of Israel, so I will save you. And ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. This is the path that we can be on if we are willing to make changes and if we're willing to let God in our lives. We start, we start off as being separated from God, being distant from Him. And then we slowly start to reconcile ourselves through repentance, through sanctification. And we begin to come to Him and realize who He is, and He begins to bless us. And in that moment, we must choose, do we take what little blessings He has given us and say, I'm happy with the way I am, thank you very much, goodbye, I, won't, I don't need you anymore. 
or do we press on? If we're willing to press on, we can see where it leads us in the end of chapter 8, in verse 22 and 23. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come and seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold, take hold of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the spirit of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. That is the blessing. Those are the blessings that await us if we are willing to make the sacrifices and make the changes. God will bless us to lead others into the same joy. And God has already told us that if we shall save but one soul, how great shall be your joy. I testify that this is true. I testify that the Lord will be with us, and He is with us, and He's striving to bring us back home every day, every moment. We have only to open our ears and to seek Him, to quiet our minds, and to give ourselves over to Him fully. Knowing that there will be things he requires of us that won't be easy, that won't be fun, but they will be right. And that's what matters. That the gospel will change us into who we should be. I testify of the power of repentance, and the power of prayer, and the power of our God. I pray that we will all find him. And I do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.